Welcome to the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. I'm Sean Aylmer. This month saw a major milestone for buy now, pay later provider Zipco. The company, one of the pioneers in the sector, turned 10 at a time when the industry is undergoing significant change. Here in Australia, the sector is set to be regulated with buy now, pay later to be treated as credit products. More broadly, the industry has had a pretty tumultuous few years, from the highs that saw afterpay acquired by Block to $39 billion to lows that saw some smaller providers shut down. But now the industry hopefully is on the path to profitability and sustainability. To mark 10 years since Zipco started operating, I'm joined today by co-founders Larry Diamond and Peter Gray. Larry, Peter, welcome to Fear and Greed. Thank you. Thanks, Sean. Congratulations on 10 years. What I mean, how did you do it, in short? Because you are in a very competitive industry. You're taking on giants like banks and things like that. How do you, you know, the elevator pitch up for the last 10 years or so? Yeah, I I'd love to say it was an overnight success, but it's, uh, as you said, 10 years on, on the 24th of June, and uh, we're super proud of, of the last 10 years, uh, and it's been quite the journey. I have to say, when we reflect on you know, the, the humble beginnings in Bondi Junction, five of us in my brother's office with uh, Groupon boxes all around us to where we are today with you know, close to 1,000 staff, global, and millions of customers, it's been, it's been quite the journey. But I think if I point to... What got us here? It's a combination of hard work, probably Pete and I keeping ourselves honest every single day, and being fearless with really a, a joint passion for trying to do things better for financial services, for everyday consumers, leveraging tech, and just constantly iterating and finding the answers. Um, we never had all the answers in the beginning. I don't think we've got all of them now, but we keep pushing and, and we keep improving. What's been the hardest part? Has it been educating consumers? Has it been educating merchants? Has it been dealing with competitors, with regulators? What have been the toughest challenges? Uh, I think, you know, we'll probably answer the, the question slightly differently. You know, ultimately, I think it's come down to people and execution. Uh, you know, every step of the journey requires a totally different set of skills, different set of problems to solve and you have to know when to move to the next phase. When it's five years around the table trying to develop the, the MVP, you know, to get that right product, that first customer and make sure that we satisfy all of those stakeholders, it's all about product experience. And then you move to 30 people. Now you've got to start thinking about functions, divisions, uh, obviously licensing. And so every phase of the journey, I think, had required a totally new set of thinking and also people and knowing when to bring certain people in when to potentially move certain people on into different roles. For me personally, it's been the execution path and why I say I've probably had 10 jobs in 10 years. Hmm. As you touched on, there's certainly noise externally with regards to the regulatory framework. We have a clear understanding of that and we've structured the business to be compliant no matter what the regulatory position and that will come out as a competitive advantage going forward, particularly in a market like Australia. So some of the, the outside noise we've certainly understood but we've remained focused on uh, what we can control. I want to get into the regulation because that is a big issue for the industry, though you guys have come out and you said you've structured yourself such that you're not against regulation. And in fact, it might actually be good for the sector. Is that kind of reflecting your views on that? Yeah, very much so. I think when we established the business in 2013, look, it was very clear what ASIC was asking of industry participants with regards to their lens of responsibility with regards to providing financial services products. So while some of our products sort of existed 
in an area that was not currently regulated under the, the credit legislation. We actually built the business to uh, ensure that our products were compliant with existing credit regulations. So we have had a credit license from day one. We have conducted responsible lending checks on all our customers' ID and credit checks since inception. So we're really sort of well-placed understanding the, the external position. And we have advocated publicly for further regulation since 2019, understanding that the business and the model and the industry was at a certain size where fit-for-purpose regulation was appropriate, given that millions of Australians were now using our products and services and the likes of Afterpay had uh, grown very rapidly as well. So we think definitely the timing is right and appropriate. And we think, you know, fit-for-purpose regulation, you know, will provide industry participants and those external to the in- industry with with confidence, uh, with an understanding of what minimum standards are being delivered by all participants in the industry. So it's very important that that balance between consumer protections while not stifling innovation and competition is delivered. And we applaud the government for taking Treasury's option two as the recommendation, which does promote fit-for-purpose regulation where industry participants will be required to be licensed. They will be doing fit-for-purpose and scalables and uh, responsible lending checks for new customers. So we believe that's a really important uh, framework to provide confidence and transparency into the industry. Now, that will be minimal change for for Zip in terms of our operating model. We are compliant with with those changes already, but it might be uh, somewhat challenging for some of the competitive peers to continue to operate in exactly the same way they are now. So we believe that is likely to lead to further consolidation and uh, the ability for Zip to increase our overall uh, market share. Stay with me, Larry. Peter, we'll be back in a minute. My guests today are Larry Diamond and Peter Gray, co-founders of Zipco. What about being an ASX-listed company? Because you you certainly have seen the highs and lows of that mid-COVID. I think you were trading above $12 a share or something or other. You're well down on that. You're about $0.42, I think it was yesterday. I'm looking for the pros and cons of that. Great when times are good, pretty tough when times are bad. What we reflect on, and uh, I always joke, you know, we're the only fintech company globally that's bought a mining corporation. We can talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, I think in the Australian market, certainly when we kicked things off and we were looking to do a funding round, the VC and sort of private technology investment sector was was pretty nascent. And so we've always seen the ASX and the public markets, particularly in Australia, as a fantastic place to drive technology and and growth stocks. We have superannuation here and a lot of that, that money comes comes into those uh, capital markets. And it has allowed us to grow and do things that I think would have been incredibly challenging in a private uh, market. Now, obviously, as you say, it has been a little bit of a roller coaster. We've sort of followed technology stocks and fintech stocks up and down. But in general, we see our role in the company as one to sort of shield, shield our staff. When times are good, we'd come out and tell them, not to rest on their laurels, make sure that we focus on product, we focus on customer experience, because ultimately the numbers will sort of dictate where we go. And equally now, when you know share price is not doing very, very well, to keep people focused on what they can control, that we have customers that love us, are obsessed with us, merchants that we're really making a huge difference. And if we just focus on that and drive the numbers, then then ultimately you know the market will sort of take care of itself. And so we are long-term owners of the business. Sorry, our staff, we, we provide stock to our staff and they're also long-term holders, they're not traders, and we try to keep them focused on the North Star. Okay, so what's the strategy for the next two, three, five years for Zipco, given this background of regulation and, and you're compliant, so that in some ways holds you in very good stead 
to keep operating. But how do you see Zip going in the next few years? Yeah, really excited about the next two years. And I think we've openly disclosed the strategy to focus on the two core markets at the moment. So in a market like Australia, where we're slightly more mature, 10 years, as, as we touched on earlier, in terms of time in market. So we're really excited to almost go on the, the phase two of, of the BNPL and you know, next generation financial services model uh, in an Australian market. So I think the next level of growth and step change growth will likely come from launching new products and services to our existing customers. Uh, BNPL is, is, is a great model and it's, uh, as we've demonstrated, is a profitable model. It's a great way to acquire customers on a relatively cheap acquisition basis. But uh, I think the exciting bit for the Australian business is, is that next level of growth, that step change from phase two of next generation financial services as we broaden our offering. And, and Larry might touch on what's so exciting about the US business. Yeah, I think it's a it's a very similar story. You know, our products today are loved and obsessed by by customers. And I think we've become incredibly customer-centric because ultimately, you know, we, we see payments as the access point between us and the relationship with the customer. And if they're using us every day, multiple times through the day, we become really, really important to them. Our first set of products has been all about disrupting the world of credit, doing it fair, doing it responsibly, and doing it in a way that meets the customers where they are. You know, customers are no longer walking into a banking branch and applying for financial services. They're doing it out there in this sort of decentralized, distributed world where you have embedded finance, and, and we've really nailed that proposition. Credit and installments, I think, is still still got a long way to go. We can be the best at providing, you know, unsecured credit to customers both here and in the US. And in the US particularly, there's a huge segment of the population that's really underserved by the traditional banks. And so we, we believe we can be the best at underwriting, understanding these customers, you know, utilizing traditional credit data, but also non-traditional credit data to understand them. But we have ambitions, you know, to be the first payment choice everywhere and and every day. So we'd really like to round out the types of uh, services that, that our customers are using. Australia, we're 10 years in. The US, we're, we're more like five years in. And so we've got a long way to go there. But the brand's resonating. We want to be seen as being on the side of customer. When they click our button, they know that we have their back. We're out of time, but I've got to ask you about the mining company. Tell me about the mining company. <laughs> what do you want to know? <laughs> You've got a mining company. Tell me about I, I didn't realize that you owned a mining company. It's pretty, yeah. So as you say, founders will do whatever it takes to cut their way out of the jungle. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if we cast the clock back to 2015, uh, 16, we're sort of two, two to three years into our journey. We've got a you know, fantastic team. We've got a product that's sort of resonating. We need the the next leg of funding. And it was pretty difficult to raise money privately. And uh, a friend of ours over in Western Australia said there's this publicly listed company called Rubiana Resources. Mm. It raised tens of millions of dollars to dig for gold and copper. Hasn't been very successful. Would you like to acquire the company and effectively do a reverse listing, recomply with sort of chapters one and two? So Pete and I went over to Perth. We did a three months due diligence on the hard rock miner, managed to surrender the permits back to the government. I think the one the one mine that it actually dug, we, we managed to sell through sort of a back-to-back agreement and uh, we bought the mine. It acquired us and we took over control of the listed company, changed the name and the rest uh, is history. Fantastic. <laughs> now we have Zipco. Larry, Peter, thank you for talking to Fear and Greed. Thanks, Sean, anytime. Thanks for having us.
That was Larry Diamond and Peter Gray, co-founders of Zipco. This is the Fear and Greed Daily Interview. Join us every morning for the full episode of Fear and Greed, Australia's most popular business podcast. I'm Sean Aylmer. Enjoy your day.